Hello, and welcome back to Bestie Chats with Soph. I am your host, Sophia Pinella, and I'm so happy to have you here. This episode is sponsored by Legion Athletics. Legion is the number one best-selling brand of all natural sports supplements with over 400,000 customers served and 3 million bottles sold. But you guys know how I roll. I'll be honest in telling you that supplements are not going to be the end solution to reaching your goals. And let me make it clear that you do not need supplements in order to reach your goals. Supplements are to be used if there are spaces in your diet that need to be filled or if you're deficient in any vitamins and minerals. That's where dietary supplements will help you out. Legion has been the only supplement company that doesn't leave me feeling like garbo, and that's because it's all natural supplements, and better yet, they're all backed by research and science. Like, it doesn't get better than that. My favorite products from Legion I use every day are their original grains, the peach ring pre-workout flavor, I'm not joking, you guys, it literally tastes like the peach rings candy, and both the grass-fed whey and vegan cinnamon cereal protein powder best protein powder of all time. Both, both of them. They're so good. You can go to www.legionathletics.com and take the quiz to see what supplements will best fit you towards reaching your goals. And don't forget to use code Sophia at checkout. This episode is dedicated to all of my athletes, all of my ex-athletes, current athletes, all of my athletic girlies. If you played competitive sports growing up, you consider yourself an athlete, this episode goes out to you. I won't lie to you guys. I kind of, now that I'm like trying to tap into the person I was or just my life when I was playing competitive sports, I've kind of like compartmentalized that part of me. I feel like I'm always going to look at myself and see an athlete, and I'm always going to refer to myself as an athlete because my entire first 18 years of my life was dedicated to playing sports, and my entire life surrounded sports, with whether it was me or my sister or my dad with coaching. My dad has coached high school football for over 30 years, and he's still coaching. Um, Sports in general has just been a huge, huge part of my life. My sister played competitive soccer. I played competitive lacrosse. Um, I played soccer growing up, and I'm going to spill my my, uh, athletic story to y'all, okay? But it's just been such a huge part of me and my family's life. It's like a personality of mine. Okay. And it's transformed into me coaching now, which I cannot suggest enough. Like if you played a sport that you miss so dearly, you should become a coach. Like whether it be, you know, little league or, you know, majors or whatever, it doesn't matter. Um, I could not suggest it enough. It fills that like itch that you have as an athlete. It's something that you always have being a competitor. It fills that like void because when you break up with your sport, it's one of the most heart-wrenching, confusing, difficult, exciting, and scary points of your life. It's a really big pivot in life when you break up with your sport. And it's, it's just, it's a lot. It's a lot of different things that kind of go on at once because when you grow up playing competitive sports, it's your entire identity. It's, and I'm talking about like, listen, no hate, no hate, all love, but there's a difference between playing soccer and being a soccer player. 
There's a difference between playing lacrosse and being a lacrosse player. And what I mean by that is that some people, maybe when they got to high school, they're like, I'm going to try out for volleyball. You do it for four years and it was like super fun. You loved, you loved to do it because your friends were there and it was just a really fun time. And that's amazing. Like being active and doing that. It's like, again, sports, there's so many different layers to it. Sports is like the best fucking thing ever. Like I'm just, I'm such an athlete at heart, but it's like the camaraderie, the teammates, the social gathering, like some people do it as that. And it's, it's really good for your mental health in, in that aspect. And I love that. But if you commit and dedicate your entire life to playing competitively, which means that you play year round, there's like no break. You get maybe like four weeks out of the entire year, where you have like two weeks between your club season and high school season and two weeks between your high school season and club season. Usually for me, it overlapped. Like we had tryouts during high school and then we just rolled right into, into club. Um, but like some people will do it as kind of like a social thing. Cause it's fun. It's like, Oh, my friends are doing it. I'm just going to try out. I'm, I'm pretty good at it, but it's not something that like is a passion of mine. I'm just doing it for fun. And then there's a difference between the people who like dedicate their entire lives, maybe are interested in playing in college. That's like a different, it's a different mentality. So this is kind of geared towards the, the besties out there who played competitively, who wanted to maybe had goals and dreams and aspirations growing up to play in college. And you played, you know, on a club team where you traveled around the country and you went to college, you know, visits and stuff like that. That's kind of like, I guess, where I'm gearing this episode towards just because that's who I was And, um, that's kind of like my route with things is that it was my entire personality. And from seventh grade, I wanted to play division one lacrosse and I knew that. So basically like six years of my life was playing competitively, traveling around the country, going to college, um, you know, visits, going to college camps ever the whole fucking night. I mean, it was just everything to me. And like, for my family, at least like we didn't take family vacations because all of the money was poured into my sister and I, cause my sister also wanted to play, um, in college as well. And she was interested in doing that as well. And all of that, that was like where my family spent everything and poured everything into my sister and I, and our quote unquote vacations would be staying two extra days, maybe in Florida, for, you know, after playing lacrosse in Florida, we'd spend two extra days there and maybe, you know, go to Disney World, go to the beach or whatever, and that would be it. Um, so yeah, this episode is dedicated to all my all my competitive sports girlies. Um, when you break up with your sport, it's uh it's like it's like a emptiness and it's hard because it's like you have to do it. You're the one that does it. It's not your sport necessarily breaking up with you. It's it's you making the decision to walk away and to close out this chapter of your life. And because it is so like it it is your whole life. Your your entire schedule is revolved around your sport. Because of that when it ends, you're like what the fuck do I do? Like what do I do when it comes to my health and wellness and my fitness? What do I do with all this extra time that I have? Like I have to find hobbies that I like, like what the fuck are even hobbies? Like now I have to meet people in the real world. Like it's this whole thing that you go through and this pivot in life that only 
a certain percentage of people experience because not everybody grew up playing sports. Not everybody grew up playing competitive sports where it became like their whole entire identity. You know what I'm saying? So yeah, when you go through that period of time, it's really confusing and really difficult. And more often than not, I get messages from you guys where you have maybe just made it to college and you're a freshman in college or you're in college and you quit your sport and you're deciding to just be be what I call a muggle, right? Like from Harry Potter where they're just like the freaking basic ass humans or something, or they're like mixed with human DNA. I'm like, we're basically muggles. And this is what, this is what we are now. Um, and if you feel like you're at a space where that's you and you're lost, I'm, I'm here for you. Like a lot of you guys reach out to me and you're like, I need some advice. Like <laughs> what the fuck do I do with my life now that I haven't like that I'm done playing sports. Like, what do I do with workouts? What do I do with nutrition? What do I do with anything? Right. Um, so we're going to chat about all of that today because I know that I guess hopefully this can reach kind of a niche audience where I can just tell you that I feel for you, girl. Like I feel for you big time. Um, now I'm going to give you like a little bit of my backstory, I guess, um, for my sports and kind of how that impacted my life. So Growing up, I actually played soccer competitively. And at the time when I was younger, I was like, oh my God, like I want to play soccer for the rest of my life. Like if I could make it all the way with soccer, like that would be a dream. And my older sister was playing soccer too. So when you're the younger sibling, you kind of follow after your older sibling's footsteps and you do what they do good and you do the opposite of when they do bad. You know, that's what older siblings are for. They pave the way, right? We get out easy, the younger siblings do. Um, and that was like my whole thing, like playing competitive soccer. Um, I, that was, that was everything to me traveling, you know, all around the West coast, um, for all the different tournaments and everything. And my best friend from diapers, her dad, um, was a lacrosse coach and her older brother, she had two older brothers and they played lacrosse as well. And so she, like told me it was just like in third grade, her dad um, reached out to like my parents and was like, oh, I'm starting a lacrosse team. I would love for Soph to play. And I was like, what the fuck is lacrosse? How do you even pronounce that? I'm like, what kind of sport is this? Like weird. You have a stick in your hand. You have to wear goggles on your face. Like that's so lame, right? Like I'm in third grade. I'm like, this is weird, but I'm in third grade. So of course my parents were like, you're doing it. Like putting me in as many sports as I possibly could do, except I will say my parents never put me into water sports. Okay. I'm a land, I'm a land sport galley. I am not an aquatic queen. Shout out to all of you guys who, who are, um, you know, swimmers, water polo players. It, you're in the water divers. No, could not be me. I can barely egg beater myself above the water for maybe 0.2 seconds before I'm going under. Um, but yeah, so started playing lacrosse in third grade just for fun. It was just club team. I was still focused on soccer. That was everything to me. I like lacrosse was just kind of like secondhand. And honestly, you guys, I hated lacrosse up until seventh grade. I was just like, I, I didn't like practices. I was like, ugh, like I can barely catch the ball, which I'm like, I'm not good at this. So if I'm not good at this, I don't like it. And then I've already shared this story before, but this is the story on why I believe truly everything happens for a reason. This was like my first ever universal experience, I would say like where I'm like, okay, mother nature is real. Like 
what you put in is what you get out. Good karma, bad karma. Okay. So I got invited to um, ODP tryouts, which is Olympic Development program, player program. I don't know. Um, and it's basically like where like the best of the best on, um, you're in your area, get invited to a camp and you try out for a team. And so I go the tryouts in the middle of fucking nowhere, California, my mom and I call it the armpit of California. There's quite literally nothing there. I'm sorry if you live there. Um, it's I'm sure enjoyable for you guys, but it's, it's really like just middle of nowhere. You're just driving. And then all of a sudden there's a massive facility of like 30 soccer fields. And you're like, Oh, okay, here we are. Um, so I had my tryout there two weekends in a row. I made it past the first round of tryouts and the second weekend for the second round of tryouts. I also had that same day. I had lacrosse tryouts for my seventh grade team. Okay. And again, lacrosse, I was just like, I didn't even want to go to tryouts. I was like, ugh, like I, I'm so focused on soccer right now. Like once I make the ODP team, like this is going to change the trajectory of my life. Cause once you make ODP, you travel around the country and you play the best soccer players in the nation and you're in front of like the best colleges. So I'm like, this is my ticket. This is my golden ticket to playing soccer in college. Like this is it. This is what I've been working my whole young life for to make this team and to travel and do this experience. And so um, long story short, I ended up getting cut from tryouts and I was devastated, like absolutely devastated because, and I'm not going to chew my own horn, but I was a good soccer player. Okay. I was a good soccer player. I wasn't like the best ever, but I was a good soccer player. And I know that I was good enough to make that team. And there are some girls who even made like, um, alternate where there's like four to six people who make alternate where it's like, if the A and B team, have players that are sick or can't travel or whatever, then they pop in there. And I'm like, I was fucking better than these people. I'm like, what, like what happened there? I was devastated. You guys, I was like, this was my, like I said, this was my golden ticket. This is what I've been working for. And I didn't make the team. And so I'm bawling my eyes out when they, and they, they cut you on the field. You guys like, this is like fucking seventh grade. They basically line everybody up and you're like, we're listing off the numbers who made it, the numbers who are alternates. And then, and if you weren't called, then you didn't make the team. So you get cut like right on the field. So I was bawling my eyes out, get back to the car. My mom's like 2000 and freaking like six or seven Toyota Sequoia. That thing was a beast. It got maybe six miles a gallon and the steering radius was fucking horrible. I still see sometimes those cars on the road. I'm like, how are people still driving that? Like the the Toyota Toyota Sequoias are a lot better now, but the ones back then, like, oh God. So my mom's car doesn't start. And I'm like, perfect. That means I don't have to go to lacrosse tryouts. I'm like, whatever. I don't care. Like we're stuck in the middle of nowhere. She calls AAA. They're like, we can't get to you for another like hour, hour and a half. And I'm like, I don't give a fuck. Like I don't have to go to lacrosse tryouts. Like I was devastated. I was crying. I'm like, I don't want to go show up to lacrosse tryouts to a, to a sport that I don't even like. Right. My mom's like, you're going, you're going. Okay. Everything happens for a reason. You're still going to show up. So anyways, we get the car jumped. It's fine. We're driving back to, um, you know, my lacrosse tryouts. I'm an hour late. It's like a two hour tryout. I get in halfway through. So after a little bit of rest, I mean, I just had like a two and a half hour, um, tryout with soccer. And then we had like an hour and a half, two hour drive to get back to, um, where lacrosse tryouts were. So my legs were like fresh, you know, I was feeling fresh and seventh grade tryouts. I just pop right in, say hi to all my friends that are there. And then basically since I had fresh legs and everybody's like an hour into tryouts, I get there right when halfway through they decide to do sprints (laughs) and I get there and I just fucking, I don't like beat everybody, but I just get there and I'm like outrunning a lot of people because I've got fresh 
fresh legs. Like I was, I was just sitting in the car. I've already warmed up and yeah, I end up having like a good tryout for the rest of the hour. And the seventh grade lacrosse coach or the eighth grade lacrosse coach comes up to me and he's like, Hey, like, uh, do you want to try out for my eighth grade team? It's the tryouts are next week. And I was like, uh, sure. Like, why not? Like at this point, I'm at this point in seventh grade, I'm thinking this is rock fucking bottom for me. Right. Like, I'm like, this is real life. Like, this is what rock bottom feels like. So I was like, what do I have to lose? I'm like, sure. And I told my mom, she's like, oh my God, that's great. And I'm like, yeah, I guess whatever. Like, again, just uninterested. I end up trying out, I make my seventh grade team. I end up trying out for the eighth grade team. I end up making the eighth grade a team gold team. And I ended up becoming, so I played up. I I didn't play with any of my friends that year. I played up a level um, or a grade. And I ended up being captain of that team too, as a seventh grader. And that coach was like, I want you to try out for my club team. Why don't you play travel across? We travel around, you know, the country where we are in front of colleges. We play competitively, like try out for my team. And I was like, uh, okay, again, rock bottom, you guys. Okay. I'm going through the hardest part of my life right now. Like the world is on my shoulders as a young little seventh grade peewee. And I was like, sure. I try out. I end up making the club team too. And that kind of changed the trajectory of my life. Um, with Within two years, the club was small and kind of up and coming. I ended up trying out for a different club that was like the best in the area, made that team. Um, and that's where that kind of like elevated my lacrosse career. And I really like once I made the travel team, you guys, I then dedicated my entire life to the sport of lacrosse. I got like what what is called a bounce back, which is basically like a wall that you can have and you um, with a lacrosse stick, you got a stick, you got a ball and you kind of bounce it back and forth. I worked day and night on my right hand, on my left hand, on my off hand, off hand, on ground balls, on defensive skills, on attack. I, I worked my ass off to make sure that I was good enough to play because the club team that I was playing for, it was a high school team. Um, so even though I was at that point, I played my seventh grade year, I was in eighth grade. Um, I was playing with like seniors in high school, which was the best experience ever because playing up is just the best way to get better playing against people who are better than you and who are older than you or bigger than you. So I'm like a little eighth grade peewee playing against seniors. And it was such a great experience because that really elevated, um, my lacrosse skills, but I worked day in and day out, um, ended up leaving that team, trying out for, like I said, the other one. And again, that changed the complete like trajectory of my life. And that's when I was a freshman and I was like, at that point in eighth grade, I was like, yeah, I want to play division one lacrosse. Like there's not a, there's not a doubt in my mind. Like I will be playing a collegiate sport. Um, didn't think like anything different. There was never anything where I was like, oh, I kind of like, I don't know, like playing a sport in college would be cool. Like maybe, I don't know, I could go as a regular student. That never, that thought never crossed my mind. I was like, I am playing a division one sport in college period end of story. So throughout high school, um, I played on, I would say, uh, probably one of the best club teams on the West coast for sure. I mean, lacrosse is huge on the East coast though. Like putting your kids into soccer on the West coast is the same thing as putting your kids into like lacrosse and hockey and field hockey on the East coast, you know? Um, so it, it was a great experience. I played with some of the best, like on my team, I had some of the best athletes, that I've ever come across. And we traveled around the country to pretty much every um, state in the East Coast, on the East Coast, like 
traveled there um, and got to go on college visits, some unofficial visits. I got invited to some colleges to get toured around USC, High Point, Oregon, um, and then St. Mary's were kind of like the big four for me. And that was kind of like, and I didn't even want to play division two or division three, which is not like, I mean, playing a collegiate sport in general is like extremely difficult to do. But I was like D1 ride or die. I was like, I'm not playing D2 or D3. Like if I'm going, I'm doing the full fucking thing. So, um, I went to like a bunch of college camps and and did everything. I mean, it was like, I lived and breathed lacrosse. It was my entire personality. It was the only thing that like mattered to me at that point. And so, um, my junior year of high school, beginning of my junior year, I ended up verbally committing to a small school in, um, the Bay area called St. Mary's college. And I, it was only like 15 minutes away from my home and like my hometown, like it was basically where I grew up was that college because as uh, I was, this was beginning of my sophomore year was when I took my first unofficial visit. I got invited to, um, tour USC. That was my first ever like official big time college visit. I'm 15. Okay. And I'm touring a college campus with all of these grown ass women. And it was the most intimidating experience. Like I felt so scared. Honestly, I was like, I was like, I don't know if this is for me. Like, I want to do it. And like, this is such a cool experience. But I was like, I don't know if this, it was just intimidating. Like, I'm such a peewee. And they're like, oh, like, this is what you have to do. And you have to catch these, have these grades. And you have to be able to do this, that, and the other. And I'm like, oh my God, like, I'm, I'm, you know, a fetus right now. Like, I don't even know what is left and right. Like, I don't know right and wrong. Like, I just, you know, I just got my first boyfriend ever. Like, I don't know, you're supposed to having me commit here and, pick out what degree I want, you know, like it was really, really scary and really intimidating and going through that as such a young kid and like so undeveloped with who I am as a person and and what I want to do. Like that is a whole different like conversation in itself. Um, but I did end up committing beginning of my junior year, which was super exciting and super fun. But I will say that like St. Mary's had, um, they were like, up and coming with their program and a bunch of the commits around the country were really, really good. And we were basically like, okay, we're all going to commit to build this program and try to become like one of the best D1 lacrosse programs in California. Like that was our goal. Um, which I'll tell you, they ended up cutting the program. Everything happens for a reason. You guys, everything happens for a fucking reason. Okay. So, um, my junior year, I ended up committing still playing, whatever. It was so fun. Cause I got to, <laughs> I got to wear the little wristband that said like committed or the armband. I mean, when I would travel with my, um, club team, which every single person on my team was committed, like every single girl on my team was committed to play D one besides, I think two girls were D two and one girl, um, was like, I'm not going to be playing in college, but I'm, I'm here for the ride. Other than that, every girl on the team was committed to play division one lacrosse. So it was really fun, really cool. You got the little wristband, which means that, or the armband. So when you were at, um, tournaments and stuff for college coaches, it showed that you were committed. So they don't, you know, they won't look at you or your play or whatever. So it was really fun, cool experience. Beginning of my senior year, I kind of had this whole come to Jesus experience. Okay. I realized my senior year of college that I, or senior year of high school, excuse me, that I was extremely burnt the fuck out. 
Okay. I was going through just a bad breakup with my first boyfriend, you know, at that time, the love of my life. Again, the world was on my shoulders hitting rock bottom again, not only in seventh grade, but my senior year when I got fucking broken up in the parking lot of a motherfucking Panera. Okay. So, well, that was my junior year, but we trickled into senior year where, you know, you still talk and, and do the woo woo and whatever. Um, so I'm going through my, my first ever real legitimate heartbreak where I feel like I can't even fucking breathe and I can't even eat at this point. And I had this whole come to Jesus where I'm like, okay, I'm burnt out from life. Like, I'm like, life is really difficult. I'm 17 and I'm hitting rock bottom again. And I was like, I don't really want to play a D1 sport anymore. I was like, I really sat with myself and I'm like, do I really want my entire life taken over in college? I mean, when you play a D1 sport, your entire four years is planned out for you. Your schedule every single day is planned out for you. There's no days off. You wake up, you go, you know, to weights in the morning and then you have practice after and then you go to school and then you've got meetings later and you've got to watch film and this, that and the other. And like, it's obviously such a great experience, but I didn't know if that was like what I really wanted to do. And I realized I just kind of like talked with my sister. She was in college at this point. I was like, I don't think that I want to do this. And also I've had a panic attack because I'm like, I need to get the fuck out of my hometown. I was like, I don't want to go to school 15 minutes away from where I grew up. Like I want a change of scenery. And, um, that's when I basically sat my parents down. And this is definitely one of the most difficult conversations that I had to have because at this point, my sister was in college and she decided to not play soccer in college. Although she was looking, schools were interested in her. She took a few visits of her own. She um, tore her ACL and that kind of changed changed her path a little bit. And she decided I'm going to, you know, I'm going to go to school and be a regular student, um, which was a heartbreak for my family as well. Like my parents, super supportive with what we want to do, but like, it was a heartbreak because my sister and I were both good athletes and we could have definitely played in college. So sitting my parents down and being like, I don't think I want to play a collegiate sport. And it really devastated them. And I was devastated too. Um, and we had that difficult conversation and my parents were nothing but supportive, but they were like, really sleep on it and really think about it. Really think about if this is what you want to do. Cause you've worked your entire life to do this. And I was like, I fucking know. And like the guilt that just ate me alive was the fact that like my parents sacrificed, Oh my God, I'm going to get emotional. my parents sacrificed so much for my sister and I to be able to, to play sports and to be able to financially support us through that experience. And that guilt ate me alive because I'm like, what a fucking waste. What a waste of fucking space I was with that. Like what a waste of money that was then if I just came to this point of like not wanting to play in college like what a waste of money, what a waste of time and energy. And I felt really bad. And I told my parents that and my parents were like, don't ever say that again. Like it was not a waste. Look at the experiences you had. Look at the people that you met. Like you would have not come to this decision had you not, you know, played your sports. And had we not supported you through this, you would not have, you would not be the person you are today. You would not have come to this decision. Like it's okay. We, we support you. And that was huge for me. Like that was huge. And so I called my coach. 
um, at St. Mary's. And I was like, I'm, I'm really sorry, but I just, you know, I'm, I'm going to officially decommit because I didn't sign anything. This was beginning of my senior year. So this was right before, um, you sign. And I was like, I realized that I don't want to play a division one sport and I kind of want to go a different path and a different route. And I just don't think that playing at St. Mary's is, is what I want to do with my life. And, you know, I just want to say thank you so much for the opportunity. Um, I'm so sorry. And I wish you nothing but the best conversation was a little tough with my coach. She was not happy about it. Um, she didn't really handle it super well. It was kind of, it was a little awkward. Um, and then, yeah. And then I decommitted. And then I, that night I literally applied early decision to university of Oregon. And within that next week I got in and I got my letter in the mail saying, you know, it's official. You've been, you know, accepted to the university of Oregon. And that, that was kind of that for me. Um, I played through my senior year. Obviously I played through my high school season, which was really bittersweet because that was, I knew the last time that I would be playing lacrosse ever. Um, and that was really surreal. It was really super bittersweet. My, the way that my, um, lacrosse career ended was quite horrible. Um, right after senior night, I mean, I have the pictures from senior night too. And the inflammation in my face was insane, insane after senior night, which was on a Friday night. This was probably, this was like three quarters of the way into season right before I'm graduating senior year of high school. Okay. I wake up and I literally could not move. Like I could not move my body. I was in so much pain and it wasn't from like, usually senior night, you guys know that you play a team that's not that good. So every senior can get in, everybody can score. Like it's known for that, right? Like you're not playing like the best team ever. So you can lose on your senior night. Like you want to win on your senior night. So I woke up and I couldn't feel my body and it wasn't because I played an extremely difficult game my body was like literally shutting down. So my mom took me to the ER and basically found out that I had mono. Okay. And my spleen was so swollen that I could not drive for like two months or like at least a month and a half. Cause I drove sooner than that. Um, but that three quarters of the way through the season, we're in the thick of season. We're about to head into playoffs and I'm diagnosed with mono. And she's like, I'm so sorry, but this is like, this is the end of your lacrosse career. And I remember being in, in, the ER and I was just bawling my eyes out because I was like my entire fucking life. I have no, I've been like, this is my identity. This is who I am. And my last moments of playing the sport can't even be on the field. It has to be in the fucking hospital. Like I was just, that was so difficult. I was so devastated and that like ripped me apart. I was so upset. Couldn't go to school you know, I was really sick. I was only sick for about two weeks with mono, to be honest. Um, but I had like about a month and a half of school left. So you know that I milked that shit. I milked that shit. I went home from school. Like this is my senior year. You guys, I had senioritis. Like I was like, went to the front office and the lady knew she was the best. Oh my God. She was the best. She knew that I had mono, but she knew that I was like, fine. But I was like, I'm really just like, this was like third period. I'm like, I'm just like really not feeling well. Like, I just have like a really bad headache. I need to go home. And she's like, all right, whatever. She's like, I'll sign you out. And that was it. Like she knew that I was tapped out at that point. So I milked that shit, but I was only really sick for like two weeks. Um, and that ended my lacrosse career. And that was really gut wrenching. That was devastating. That was not the way that I wanted to end my sports and break up with my sports essentially. Um, but then, you know, with my career too, I'm going to toot, I'm going to toot, toot. 
my own horn. Okay. Because it was everything to me. I, my junior and senior year, I, for my high school, I made first team, which was cool. My senior year, I um, also was nominated as an All-American and an academic All-American too, which was kind of a shock for me. I mean, I was good at school. Like I went to a college prep, essentially school, um, but all of my friends were like smarter than me. So I was like, cause they were like legitimately, like they all went to like UCLA, USC, all of these smart ass schools. And I was like, okay, cool. Fun. Love that for me. Um, but yeah, I got academic all American and all American my senior year, which was really, really cool. Um, first team, my senior year for defense is why I was, um, well, I played, I played midfield for my high school team, but I was a defender. Where's all my defensive people at? Okay. Scoring goals is all fun and shit, but when you can knock a bitch out, oof, nothing's better than that. It's like, you know, offense wins games, defense wins championships. Like we all know that. Right. So I was a defensive player. I'm a defensive player at heart. That was me. That's what I committed to in college is why I committed as a defender. I also played for a national team, which was the coolest experience. I'm going to give you guys a little story because this is funny. Okay. I know this has been, this has kind of been, I guess, a storytelling episode. I don't really know, but I'm really glad that I get to share all of this stuff with you guys because this is like, who I am. And I know I'm like, Oh, it's my identity. And I've said it a million times this episode, but like being an athlete is like my entire being like, that's only what I knew myself as growing up, you know? And like, it could be equivalent to anybody doing anything else outside of sports. Like somebody who was maybe, um, a pianist or a violinist or a singer and a pop star, you know, it's not just like sports necessarily, but it could be a equated to like other people doing other things. Anyways, anyways, let me tell you the story. So I made a national team and it was unbelievable experience. My sophomore year, I ended up getting invited to these tryouts for this national team for Northern California. And if you make the team, then you travel to the national tournament, which is the best is best, the best, the best in each state travel to this tournament. And you get exposed to college coaches and stuff. This was my first time ever being exposed to like legitimate colleges, you guys. Okay. So I go to this tryout. It's a bunch of girls from the area. I'm a sophomore and it's girls of all ages. So it's freshmen through, uh, seniors that are here. And we have, I think it was just a one day tryout or no, it was a, I think it was a, no, it was a one day tryout. And that was it. It was like, if you're good enough, you're going to make it. If not, see ya. And there was two teams and alternates. It's kind of like ODP essentially, to be honest. Um, like ODP was soccer. This was kind of the same thing for lacrosse. And I go to the tryouts. I do as best as I possibly can. And I tell, I remember telling my mom and I didn't even want to do it, to be honest. This is so classic of me. Anything that I don't want to do, it end up, it ends up turning out to be the most amazing experience, right? That's how life works. But I end up telling my mom, I'm like, there's no fucking way I made it. I was like, I maybe made the B team. If that I'm like, I, I've probably just made alternates, like, which would be cool. I'm like, that means that, you know, I won't have to travel. Cause again, I'm traveling when I was in the thick of my lacrosse career, I was traveling with my mom five to seven times to the East Coast a year, which is a lot, you guys, especially in high school, trying to balance all of that. Um, so I told her, I was like, yeah, I don't really know. I probably maybe, maybe, in a, maybe I'm an alternate. I don't really know. I probably didn't even make it. And I was like, okay, well, that's, that's fine. And we get an email that night <laughs> and the teams came out and the list came out and I made the A team as a defender. And I was shocked. I literally shite my pants because I was like, that must be, it's wrong. That's wrong, mom. That's not right. And she's like, no, you made the A team. Like we're literally leaving in two weeks to go to, where was the tournament? 
I think the tournament was in, oh, where was it? Was it in Virginia or something? So I think it was in Virginia. Yeah. And so I was like, okay, cool. So we ended up going, it was very quick. Like you try it, you make the team. We had one practice, you guys, literally one practice as a team. And then we went and we traveled across the country to the tournament. And it's like, when you're on a team with people that are that good, you don't really need to practice that much. It kind of just flows. You know, if you're, if you're on a team where like everybody's kind of on the same page, we're all on the same level and everything, then it doesn't take that much practice because we all know how to like catch, pass, throw, defend, attack, get the draw, save goals. Like we know how to do that already, you know? Um, so we ended up traveling there and I didn't think anything up. Like I wasn't, I was so young, you guys, I'm 15, I'm a baby and I'm going and I'm playing against and with these, like some of the best, oh my God, some of the best players ever. I felt honored. Honestly, I felt honored to be on a team with some of these players. Cause I was like, there's no fucking way that I'm like playing with them, with these people, like insane. So yeah, we end up going to the tournament and I'm like, oh, this is so cool. Like we're playing some really good teams against some really good people. Um, and I look on the sideline and I kid you not, there was 15 to 20 college coaches. And I look at what swagoo they're wearing from schools. I'm seeing Dartmouth, Princeton, Virginia, Syracuse, Florida, UNC, Duke, Maryland, I was like, um, <laughs> I literally shirt myself. And honestly, if you know lacrosse, you know, I mean, it was like some of the top schools. I'm like, there's no way, there's no way that this is real. I was like, wait, so this is why we're here. Like it didn't click with me. It didn't click with me. And then that was my first, after that tournament was my first time getting, um, like emails from college coaches. And there was the rule where you couldn't speak to any of the college coaches until, uh, I think it was your junior year maybe, or was it your senior year? I can't even remember they had that weird rule. I think it's changed now, which that really sucked. Cause you couldn't really, you couldn't really talk to them. Um, but yeah, that was like my first experience with legitimate colleges on the sideline. And I was like, Oh my God, mom. I'm like, what the fuck is this mom? Like nobody warned me about that. Right. So yeah, it was just really funny. That was a really, really cool experience. I'll never forget that. That was the most fun tournament. And it was just, it was a quick thing. You try it, you make the team, you've got one practice, you go to the tournament and that's it. You don't play on the team ever again. Like that was kind of just it. So it was really cool. That was another fun experience that, that I had with, with my career. Um, Anyway, so that's me tooting my own horn. I was pretty decent, I guess. Um, and then and then the breakup happened, okay? And then I'm like, oh, yeah, it's my senior year. I'm like milking this shit. I got senioritis. I graduate. And then going from, oh, God, this was the worst because Oregon is um, quarters. They're not semesters. So there's three quarters instead of two semesters. And they don't start school. Like quarter schools don't start until September, like middle of September is middle end of September is when they start school. So all of my friends left for college beginning of August. Right. And they're all already like in midterms when I'm starting school. So the summer was long. It was really long from May until September. I basically had to wait to go to Oregon, but I was so excited. Like I was working, I was trying to save money. Um, and then I officially move and get up to Oregon, which was so fun because obviously my sister was up there, which was a huge reason that I chose that school was because I had family there. Um, again, following after my sister's footsteps. Hello. And then, um, also because I took a visit, um, an unofficial visit to 
Oregon for lacrosse and ended up falling in love with the campus. Like it was my sister's freshman year, stayed in her dorm with her. I had so much fun. I took my visit and I loved it. I I was like ready to commit to Oregon until, um, until I met the team and the coaches and it was just mean girl energy, mean girl vibes, not good energy, not at all, which I was really, really bummed about. Um, and yeah, I was like super sad about that. So anyways, I already visited Oregon a few times, had my visit there for lacrosse, but then I was like, I can go here for regular school. So I get up there. Um, and that is when the pivot really happened because when you break up with your sport, you're like, Oh my God, I have so much freedom. Like I'm not playing anymore. It's kind of like this liberation, right? Where it's kind of nice where you're like, Oh my God, this is amazing. Like I, what am I supposed to do? Like after school, I don't have like a two and a half hour practice. Like I don't have to go, you know, on the weekend to like, I'm not playing six days a week. It's amazing. Right. And then, and then it kind of hits you where you're like, Oh shit. Like I, what am I going to do for working out? Like I do have all this free time. Like how am I supposed to, how am I supposed to live, laugh, love in these conditions? You know, like what the fuck am I supposed to do? So I get to Oregon and I start working out at the rec center. And I guess essentially like that's where my gym area started, but like my gym era started, but I had no idea what I was doing. I walked on the treadmill. I did the Stairmaster. I did maybe one free weight thing and like two machines, two leg machines. And that was it. Like I barely touched the dumbbells. Definitely did not go to the fucking cables. Are you kidding me? It looked like, it looked like a, I don't even know. It looked like a scary machine that would eat me alive. All these cables. Like I did not know how to work that. I was like, catch me there. Never. So I just did like a few leg machines, like leg press and then the abductor and adductor machines. Cause I was like, Oh, I know that this works like my legs. Cool. And that was it. Like leg day. I was obsessed with leg days and that was it. So that's kind of what started, I guess my gym, my gym moments, but it, it was not like I took it seriously and not that I really knew what I was doing. But that's kind of where the shift and the pivot really happens for athletes is like, we aren't taught how to eat. We aren't, and eating doesn't fucking matter. Like your nutrition doesn't matter because you're burning so much and you're so busy and you're, you're an adolescent. So your metabolism is fast and it just, it doesn't matter. Like your nutrition and your health growing up, like it matters of course, but like not to the point where like you're meal prepping and you're tracking and you're like, you know, mapping out your routine and, and you're, uh, focusing in on your morning routine. No, in high school, I'm rolling out of fucking bed. I'm barely shoving a piece of toast down my throat and I'm blasting my fucking Miley Cyrus bangers tour in my car or 21 Savage pulling up to my private Catholic high school in my white Jetta. That's what I'm talking about. Okay. Like you're not worried about any of that stuff, but then you enter this whole different world of health and wellness. And you're like, I have to take care of myself. How do I eat? How do I work out? Right. And you don't know anything. We're not taught that. And I would love for there, there needs to be like a program that every kid who plays a sport, (laughs) wouldn't this be a dream? Like this is, hold on, pipe dream, unrealistic dream coming in. Okay. This is not going to be realistic. It might be, I'm not really sure. Maybe there's something already out there. I don't know. But every kid who goes through a sport, 
competitively and they decide to quit the sport, they need to go through like a rigorous six month program on like, this is how to live your life after sports because you will feel so fucking lost and not know what to do. That's the title of it. Okay. This is, this is my pipe dream and teaching athletes how to move their body, how to, how to properly eat, hydrate, sleep the whole, the whole nine. Cause we're not, what we're taught is, um, Carbo load the night before a tournament, you know, you need that energy, hydrate, drain the lactic acid, you know, having Gatorade and propels and those quick sugars in the middle of a game so it it can boost you a little bit having like a banana to help with cramps, cramping, you know, in your legs or whatever. Um, that's all that we're taught (laughs) ice baths too. Like ice baths were huge in tournament in tournaments. We would always do, um, ice bath parties and, uh, yeah, that's uh, pretty much fucking it. That's all that we're taught. And that doesn't correlate to the real world. Right. Um, and it's, it's really difficult because it's like, now you need to get to know yourself and who you are outside of your sport. And when that's your entire identity and what you, who you are and what you become, having to break up with that part of you, you kind of have to like almost develop like a whole new personality and you have to get to know who you are outside of a coach, outside of a team, outside of somebody telling you what to do um, and and how to play and, and all these different things. And that's a really hard lesson to learn. And sometimes you realize you're like, I don't even know who I am outside of this outside of this sport. Like I don't, I have to get to know myself and build my own routine. Like how, how am I supposed to do that? Um, and a lot, a lot of athletes struggle with mental health, um, issues. Okay. When you are an athlete and a competitive athlete at that, you never feel good enough. You're not doing enough. You're never good enough. You're around players who are better than you. Your coach may be dogging on you when you have a bad game or a bad tournament, or you invite some college coaches or you look on the sideline and you see fucking three Ivy Leagues that are stacked right there and you're like, I'm having a shitty fucking game. The mental uh, the mental game of being a competitive athlete is fucking brutal, especially when you're so young and you're just developing <laughs> you're like a fetus to the world. You don't even understand what the real fucking world is. And you're such a fetus and you're like developing who you are as a person and trying to understand the concept of life while you're trying, while you're battling with yourself constantly. It's like this level of, uh, mental games that you have to play at such a young age is really, really difficult, really difficult. And I wanted to, of course, give you guys some stats that I found. Um, the most important stats when it comes to just being a student athlete. Um, some of these are from the NC2A as well for, for collegiate athletes, but just kind of, I thought that they were interesting and I wanted to share them with you. Um, So the first one says, according to a survey by the NC2A, approximately 30% of student athletes self-reported that they had experienced mental health difficulties. The next one is the mental health literacy of student athletes was rated at 68.7% in a study published in the Journal of Clinical Sports Psychology. So that's a D. That's a D, you guys, that they rate the mental health literacy of student athletes. And that's because it's like we don't even know what mental health really is. We don't even know that these feelings that we're having of possibly anxiety, depression, um, you know, maybe body dysmorphia is what it is. We don't really know that at such a young age. Um, the next one says, 
Around 40% of elite athletes may experience symptoms of common mental health disorders, according to a study by the British Journal of Sports Medicine. The next one, athletes are twice as likely to experience anxiety compared to non-athletes, according to a study published in the Journal of Athletic Training. Now that I believe, that I believe like tenfold. It's just this whole different world that you're in when you're an athlete. Um, The next one says, a Virginia Commonwealth University study found that approximately 25% of public university athletes reported signs of depression. The next one, a study in the Journal of Athletic Training found that student athletes who were injured were twice as likely to experience depression. Oh my God, when you are injured. So when you're injured as an athlete, it's the equivalent to feeling that feeling that we just talked about last week of when you skip a day at the gym, right? And you're in that, you're, you're not in the best mental space of understanding your body. And you feel like when you skip a day of the gym that you have ruined your progress, you are so far behind, you have lost, you know, the things that you don't want to lose and gain things that you don't want to gain. That feeling in your head that you experience is, is what I would relate to and correlate to when you get injured and you have to sit out for a certain period of time. It's the fucking worst when you have to sit on the sideline and you're injured and all you want to do is play in the game because you're like, I I need to be helping my team out. Like, I don't like sitting on the sideline. Like I cannot sit on the sideline comfortably and you push yourself. A lot of us have played through injuries, have played our injuries into a worse space because we can't, we cannot sit still. We can't not play. We can't not play. And that's how I was. I strained both you guys. I strained both of my hip flexors at the same time. And I literally had every single, it was for, um, one summer. This is what had happened to me. I trained both of my hip flexors and that is so, it is so painful because you can barely move. So I had the trainers literally, I was like a mummy because I was my entire from mid quad to my lower back. I was wrapped in, um, ACE bandages and completely wrapped tightly to my hip flexors all around my booty cheeks, all over there. You can imagine the chafing. Okay. I was basically bleeding from how much I was chafing. It was so bad. Like I even had like my little spandex on, but it hurt so bad. The adrenaline at that point took over. I put a bunch of tiger bomb and icy hot on me. I iced when I could. And immediately I was out on the field. I'm like, I'm not fucking sitting out. What ended up happening? I ended up like basically pulling one of my one of my hip flexors because I could not rest. It was not an option. It was not an option. I was like, nope, not going to do it. Um, and that's kind of what I can correlate to, you know, having to sit out. It's just the fucking worst that talk about mental struggles that that is just all mental right there. And I was not, not at a place to understand like exactly what I was doing. Like you're beating yourself up on the sideline. Like as, as a 15, 16, 17 year old, you are verbally assaulting yourself on the sideline because you're so upset about being injured. Um, anyways, the last one says about one out of every four competitive athletes suffers from mental health related issues. Um, according to, I cannot pronounce this. It is a German sports, um, like psychology thing. I'm not even going to try to, to pronounce it, but yeah, that definitely, that definitely makes sense. So those are kind of some stats for you guys. And I feel like, I don't know about you, but I definitely was in the, in those stats. I was part of that percentage of people who, who struggle mentally. Um, but if you, if you're out there and you just quit your sport, maybe you decide, maybe you're in college and you decided, I don't want to, 
I don't want to play anymore. This is not what I want to do. As exciting as it is, and like that freedom, that liberation where you're like, I'm no longer tied down to a sport. It's it's equally as exciting and liberating as it is devastating and, and heart-wrenching. If you have just quit your sport or you're thinking about doing it, just know that it's it's a wild roller coaster of emotions that you are going to feel. And it's just like a breakup with with a human being and a relationship. All of that roller coaster of emotions, of the highs, where you're like, oh my God, I fucking love it. Like, I look how much time I have and I, I can hang out with my friends. I can do what I want. This is amazing. I love this to the lows of like, who am I? What what am I supposed to do at the gym? You walk into a gym and you're like, I've never even like really been in one of these. Because for me growing up, I hope it's different now. But for me growing up, like we did not go to a gym. We did not strength train. Like especially at my private Catholic all girls fucking high school, we didn't have a gym. The boys did. The boys had a weight room, but we weren't we weren't allowed to use it because it was just theirs. And we didn't have a gym, so we had to we had to go and do outside activities. Like one year we did CrossFit for preseason, which I absolutely hated. One year we did like a strength and conditioning program, which was honestly fun. It was tough, but it was really fun. Um, and then another year we had like these CrossFit people come to our campus, which was nice. Cause it was like, Oh, it was kind of like our first little gym. Like they set up a few weights in the tennis courts that were above a parking garage, but the tennis courts were not legal to play in because the parking garage was caving in. Okay. Um, love that for us girlies, how we just don't have access to that stuff now. Um, we didn't even have like a weight training class or anything like that. I'm talking, I feel like we were in the 1800s. I feel like I grew up in the 1800s. I'm talking about this. I really hope it's different now, but we just didn't have access to that. So we weren't taught how to work out. We weren't taught proper form. We weren't taught anything in regard to like a program, a structure, progressive overload, proper form, like anything like that. So I was completely clueless and just know that, that you will be too when you first enter and into this pivot of life, you will be too. And it's, and that's why like for, for right now, what's really cool is that there's so many fitness influencers out there. There's so many coaches, there's so many girlies who have apps now and programs that you can follow. When I was a freshman in in college, again, back in the 1800s, basically I, which was in, I was a freshman in 2017. Um, I, there was no, there was only like the big gym shark girlies, which was like three people at the time. And that was it. Fitness influencers were not a thing. That was not a thing at all. Nobody had a program. Everybody was just maybe like the, the fitness influencers who were the gym shark girlies were posting some of their workouts, but they were fucking back squatting and deadlifting. And I'm like, you would catch me dead overdoing that. Like, I'm not going to be deadlifting and back squatting. Like I can barely like go on the Stairmaster and like do the leg press, you know, like that was scary enough for me. Um, so what's really cool right now in today's day and age, how quickly that has kind of transformed how, how influencing in general, but definitely fitness influencing how many more personal trainers and coaches and affordable programs there are is that there is guidance out there that you can go to. I'm not saying you have to come to me, but I do have a fitness app. I do want them on coaching as well and everything like that. So if you want to apply, I can put it down there. You know what I'm saying? Like I'm going to hook up my programs because they're the best, but there's so many, there's so many resources out there where you can follow a program. So if you're feeling lost in the sauce, don't do it on your own. Cause you, you can't do it all. Like 
You can't do it all. Follow someone's program, whether it's their fitness app or, you know, a program that they offer, or you get a one-on-one coach if you have the financial, um, you know, capabilities of doing that. I know that right now is a very, it's a very tough time right now um, to, to be able to do that. So again, fitness app, fitness programs, like find somebody who, who you love to follow. Cause at this point we all follow fitness girlies. Okay. Find somebody who you follow, see if they offer a program and try it out and follow that. That is where you have to get started because you got to learn through your own experience, right? So you're going to follow the program and you're going to learn from it. Not maybe, maybe from the coach you'll learn, but also just from, from the program itself and also creating a lifestyle continue to stay active, continue to move your body because at your core being an athlete, it's what is best for you. It is what is going to make you happiest. Be in your fucking gym rat era. Like going from from athlete to gym rat is so fun. Okay. It's this whole new world that you enter into and it's the gym world is amazing. And it, it may seem intimidating. And maybe you see the negatives on social media of people like recording and making fun of people or like whatever, like don't listen to that shit because overall I would guarantee 90% of your gym experience is going to be good. And you are going to meet the most incredible people and make the best connections. And you never know who you are going to meet at the gym. One person who you meet at the gym could change the trajectory of your entire fucking life. Okay. Like it's a great place to make connections, um, to build community to, it, it could be an escape for you. Like when you escaped on the field or in, in the water or whatever, like whatever sport you played, um, that was your escape before the gym now becomes your escape, your form of therapy. And it's the best experience. So continue to move your body. That's my biggest piece of advice. When you're rolling from quitting your sport and you're like, Oh my God, what do I do? What the fuck do I do? Either hire a coach or start somebody's fitness app. If they offer like 10, 15 bucks a month or something, do that, you know, and, and have that as guidance to get started. And then, you know, the nutrition part kind of comes with trial and error. Nutrition is a whole different thing that you have to learn. Um, it's a mixture of learning on your own. Again, if you want to get a coach and invest in that, that can help you out with nutrition, definitely do that. But it's, it's kind of like, it's, I wouldn't say it's like a luxury, but it kind of is, you know, it's kind of like hair extensions. Like if you have hair extensions, then you're, you're living a luxurious life, you know? And that's kind of the same thing with like, you know, having a coach right now, just because the times are crazy, the economy is crazy, but that's what I would suggest that you do. And also just like, understand that you're not alone. You're not alone. It's, it's so shitty. It's so shitty. And I miss it. I miss it so much. So dearly, I would trade anything to go back and play on the lacrosse field. Just one more time. I would trade fucking anything, anything. And I will say that this is a hot take. All right. But I feel like personally, when I meet people later in life, as opposed to early, I'm only, yeah, I'm like later in life, you know, cause I'm like 50 years old, but like later in life in, in my twenties, when I've met people, I feel like I get along better with people who grew up playing competitive sports than I do with people who did not grow up playing competitive sports. And it's not because I'm better than everyone else and, and people who played sports are better than everyone else. That's not what I'm saying. Okay. Cause whether you played sports or you, or you didn't, you were an athlete or not, it's just different. It's not better or worse. It's just different. Okay. We're on the same level here, but I just feel like when you are an athlete, you have this certain edge to you. You've, you've got, you've got this like chip on your shoulder. You've got this 
like competitive nature that, that nobody else has. And I, I feel that energy with people that I meet in my twenties where I'm like, okay, they grew up playing competitive sports. Yeah. Makes sense. And it's like, we just align. I feel like on certain, whether it's a man or a woman, it doesn't matter. Like I I've met dudes, I've met girls. It doesn't matter who, where I'm like, we are aligning. We have the same energy. We are the same because when you are 12 years old, and you have to go to your coach and have a meeting with them. Like you've got meetings with your coaches. Like my parents did not take care of fucking anything. My parents were like, cause there's parents out there that will schmooze. Okay. I'm going to say it. I'm going to call your asses out. Parents will schmooze and make it a whole political fucking thing that certain kids are making teams because they schmooze the coaches and they do this and the other. My parents were like, if you have a problem with the coach, you talk to them yourself. My mom was like, you want to go to college for lacrosse? Great. Figure out how to email them. This is on you. My parents did not help with any emails. They didn't help with any calls. They didn't help with fucking anything. They're like, this is on you. You want to talk to your coach as an 11 year old girl? You have a problem with, with somebody on the team. You, you have a problem with the coach. You talk to them. So that is like that growing up like that. And also like growing up around, uh, like playing sports with, with girls and against girls, the catty nature, you know, the drama, the, the, if you started, if you didn't, if you switch positions and you're starting over somebody else, like all of that shit that you have to deal with and go through as a young kid, not saying it's like a bad thing, but that develops you. It develops you into a whole different type of type of human and a whole different type of person. And you have that, that energy about you, especially playing competitively and having to have grown ass conversations with grown ass adults as a child is that'll change yet. That'll develop you into who you are, you know? And so that's kind of like, where I stand, where I'm like, Oh, I can tell people who I can just tell. I know it's bad. It's, it sounds bad, but I'm not saying it's a bad thing. I'm just saying like, I can tell just by the energy of somebody, whether they played competitive sports growing up or not. And that's just, that's just it. And I, and it's not like, Oh, I like them better or worse. I'm like, I can just tell, like, I just feel like we're going to get along because we relate. Um, but anyways, I know that this is this kind of been a long episode. I know I kind of spilled my story, but, um, yeah, it's breaking up with your sport is one of the hardest breakups that you'll, you'll have to do. You'll think about it every day. You'll trade anything to go back and play just one more time or have one more meet. And it's, it's devastating, you know, it's, it's devastating and it's exciting. And it's like this pivot. It's just one of many pivots of life and you just have to kind of be, be ready for that. And, and if you feel like you're committed or you are maybe committed to play a sport in college and you realize that that's not what you want to do, don't be afraid to speak up. Okay. Don't be afraid to speak up, to have a conversation with your parents. You're going to have to have a hard phone call with the coach. Again, it's a grown ass conversation that you're having with a grown ass adult at 17 years old, where you're like having to tell them, yeah, I don't want to play for you anymore. And like all of that is really difficult. It's so scary and it's really intimidating, but those conversations are necessary and it'll, it'll shape you into who you are, you know, today and shape you as a person, but don't be afraid to speak up and do what's best for you. There is a life outside of sports. It's, it's a, it's a tough life to get into at first. And it's like, you feel a little emptiness inside of you, but there is a life without sports. There is a healthy way that you can live an active lifestyle that you can live that fills that void, whether it's CrossFit, you know, Olympic lifting, you're a gym rat girly, you're a yoga Pilates girly, you are a runner track star girly, like 
whatever it is that you decide to do for movement to fill that void, there's a life outside of that. And I will say it's a fun life to live because then you get to, um, you get to kind of build habits, you know, you get to build morning and nighttime routines and focus on health and wellness and really kind of dive deep into like sleeping and like how much sleep impacts and hydration and like all this stuff. Um, and it's a really exciting point of your life, but just know that like, you're not alone in feeling that emptiness in that void. And if you are an ex athlete and you're in your thirties or something, and you still feel that emptiness and void, like I feel for you, I feel for you. It's not something that ever goes away. Like it's not. And, and that's why I said at the beginning, like if you can coach coach, it is quite literally the best fucking thing ever. I've coached for the past couple years and I was the head coach for a high school women's lacrosse program here in Reno. And it was literally the best experience. It filled that void. It was so fun. I got to pick up my stick again. I got to knock around a few girls. I mean, they're in high school. I'm like, oh my God, you know, everything's fine. But you know, you get to knock around some girls a little bit. You get to play with them a little bit and it's just fun. It's really fun and it fills that void and it's awesome. So that's what I would suggest too, like not only to, you know, start your health and fitness journey, but also like if you can coach, get back into it. It's the best. Um, but I've kept you here. I catch you here for a long time. We're going to wrap it up, wrap it up. Up, okay. But thank you so much for hanging out with me today. Um, it's an experience that not very many people go through. It's a niche group of people who go through breaking up with your sport and it's shitty. It's shitty. It's sad. I'm going to be thinking about it for the rest of my life being in that hospital room and not being able to finish out my, uh, you know, my entire life, what I lived and breathed on the field. It was finished in a hospital room and I will never, ever, ever forget that. And that will still continue to devastate me (laughs) and eat me alive to this day. Um, but yeah, I love you guys so much. Um, if you, have broken up with your sport, send me a DM on what sport you broke up with. Let me, let me know how, how you're coping. And if there's any things that you guys suggest, let me know. I'd be happy. I'd be happy to share them, but I love you guys so much. Thank you so much for hanging out with me today. Thank you for hanging with me. It's always a pleasure. I love you. And I will talk to you very soon.